BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's the word, y'all? Welcome to Right Nowish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, we're talking to a guy from an Eritrean community in South Berkeley, trying to bring his family, his community, his religion, his interests, basically his everything, into one brand. We are everything, that's the name, and we're very intentional about the name because what we're looking to do is really get our hands in everything. Abdul Alim Aomer's clothing brand is relatively straightforward. It features black, burgundy, or pink pastel hoodies and crewnecks adorned with the Everything brand logos. He's released other gear too, including a line of polo t-shirts and a bomber jacket that features the flags of England, Spain, Morocco, Germany, and the original flag of Eritrea. And now, he and his team are moving beyond just clothes. They're using art and technology to bring folks into the world of his tight-knit community. A little more on everything after this thing. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. How would you describe that like tight-knit group that you grew up in? Um, my parents immigrated from Eritrea uh, back in the 80s and the 90s, you know, fleeing war and violence and whatnot. And, you know, you have like, we're going to make it type of mentality, you know, it's like it's survival instincts that kind of kick in there. And my family, my parents, they kind of created a community for us around us of other Eritreans, you know, other people who immigrated here around that same time they did. Um, and they all had kids at the same time. I grew up with three other families that we have no, no blood relationship with, but, you know, just have a, a shared background. We're all Eritrean, we're all Muslim, and our parents really made it a, a point for all of us to grow up together. Our parents kind of created this thing where every Friday we'd go to each other's houses and circulate amongst the four families. And it started off as like an opportunity for to teach the kids Quran verses. And then we just go have fun. We just go play for the rest of the night. 
and like our parents it's been almost 30 years now have done it every friday we have that shared history we have that shared background but at the same time we grew up in a different world at home it's like you have those same values of in traditions back home but you know when you're outside in the bay area you're you're black in america let's pause the interview for a second this is a good spot to mention that abdul is also in the community organizing for social and political change here's a clip of him speaking at a protest this past summer in Berkeley. i on behalf of my brand everything the brand co-organized our protest today and our stance is we want police to be Defunded. We need the funds to go to our cities, to our kids, to our youth. Again, his goal is everything. We need more like that youth center right there. That center helped me go through college. I'm a black man in America, and I'm facing the things that come with that. You know what I mean? Like, I have those struggles. I share those struggles, and that experience really kind of molds you. You know, you hear your stories of, of family members kind of back home who, you know, are really struggling right now, and you're looking to help them out. There's been some things that have transpired over the weekend in Ethiopia that have spilled over into Eritrea, and I just wanted to get a sense of what's happening, how it's impacting you and your community. It's rough, man. Like, what's happening in Tigray is that Ethiopia was set to have elections this past year, and due to COVID, the prime minister and the Ethiopian government announced that they would be postponing elections. However, Ethiopia is made up of a ethnic federation. So ethnic groups kind of have their own statehoods and they have their own local governments. And the Tigray region on an ethnic federation level, statehood level, said that, no, we're going to continue to have our elections. That didn't, I guess, sit right with the Ethiopian government and that's kind of led to this higher tension. So these types of things, like these relationships that have like been soured for multiple decades you know these go back up until like the 60s 50s like it's just kind of taking light again today to be clear there's the conflict like you said it's been a back and forth for years decades now Eritrea right now is one of the worst dictatorships in the world and has like the highest censorship in the world so you're only seeing state-run propaganda you're only seeing state-run information so when one day you wake up and the capital city is being attacked you have no idea why you don't understand what's going on you don't understand like oh there's a war happening in ethiopia and that eritrea has actually been involved from the beginning and that now we're being attacked because of the consequence of our actions of being involved when you talk about that kibosh on communications and you recently launched your media platform how does that intertwine I studied at UC Davis and I studied international relations and world trade and development. And my entire focus was really on that part of the world. You know, how could I create economic opportunity on a large scale? How can I do that back home? And I understood the privilege and the opportunity that I have and I want to make the most of it. Try to create an opportunity, try to create for the betterment of, of those people. I know your parents had to be like, what? You're getting into fashion now? How'd they take that when you said that you're getting into brand development? You know, initially, they, you know, you got the little kickback, like, this isn't going to do anything. Like, why are you doing this? Wasting your time, whatever, whatever. But slowly, you know, like, you start seeing, like, the community start buying your stuff. You're seeing people wearing it. And it's funny, I strictly remember at one um, little conference not too long ago, a few years back, um, there was a bunch of people wearing my, my stuff. And... My dad came up to me, he was like, hey, like, this is kind of cool. Like, a lot of people are coming up to me like, yo, this is your son's stuff. Just that kind of moment of realization where they're now like, they're like, oh, you should do this color, you should do this design, you should, you know, you ever thought about this, you know, giving me recommendations. And so it's really cool to see them, like, um, kind of come full circle and see, like, the full potential of all this and 
they understand like that I'm extremely like full-time invested in this although I work a full-time job um and I'm trying to help support you know myself them and my siblings as well so they know like the potential and they're seeing the growth and it's definitely made them believe I'd say the site that they started offering suggestions. Hey man, you know what I'm saying? My dad come in my room talking about, you should do blue. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's funny, it's funny. How do you go about getting your friends and family involved in your project to the point that they're models for portions of it? To kind of shed light on what my everything was, I thought it was important to really incorporate the people and my loved ones that are closest to me, right? So we are trying to get photos for the fourth drop. No one's gonna tell me no. Like, that's one thing. Like, I'm the oldest, y'all gonna do what I say type of thing, you know what I mean? Peep so that yellow in the background. That's right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, they, 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 they wanna be a part of that, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they've seen the growth. It's like, um, my family, my friends really, really do get excited when I do have a shoot and I, and I do ask them to be a part of it. Augmented reality, the app. Break it down for me as if I had never heard of it, and why Why is that important when it comes to storytelling? Augmented reality, for example, is being able to see things in 3D space that aren't there without the technology itself. So, for example, we're releasing a magazine first, and there's going to be encrypted content on the pages of the magazine that when you open the app and you scan your camera over, that will come up and you'll be able to see behind the scenes of the shoots that you're looking at through the magazine. So we're looking to tell that story of that day, of that shoot, and what every shoot represented. The importance of it for us is like, one, I had a huge passion to get into the technology space because it's just a space that we're underrepresented in as African Americans. It's a space that we don't necessarily have a, a seat at the table at. And I felt that if we could build this from the ground up, you know, this is without any type of outside investment, without any type of outside work, this is like strictly with the team that I've been able to build. I have three younger siblings. Everything I do, I think about them. I like. I want them to see me do this because I want them to aspire to do it as well and beyond me. My youngest sibling's 13 years old. I was 11 when he was born. He's like, we have like almost like a father-son relationship. And so like he sees all the work that goes into this and I just want him to be inspired and to learn from it and to leverage it. And he's going to be smarter than me. Like these kids are born with computers in their hands. You know what I mean? He's going to be able to take this to the next level. So it's something that um, I'm really happy that we're coming out with. And I think the importance of beyond just the technology aspect, is being able to show people, like, look, you can do this too. To inspire. The role of an artist is to inspire others, man. How would you describe your upbringing and how it relates to the art that you're doing now? I'm proud, you know, South Berkeley native. You know, I was born in Oakland, but grew up in South Berkeley my whole life. So the whole entire East Bay has really been my backyard growing up. Seeing the, the amount of change that area specifically has seen over the years, all this money and all this technological advancement kind of happening, you know, and it not necessarily translating into our neighborhoods and in front of us, like always intrigued me. It's like, what's going on over there? So I knew even before I got to college that I wanted to work in tech and create a path for myself there and be able to learn a lot on the business side. You know, I already had this found entrepreneurship I realized it was something that was like natural to me. Um, I was naturally creating like new businesses, new ideas, and finding new ways to kind of hustle. My, my kind of goal when I was younger was to to be as least of a burden as I could to my parents and help them out as well as I can, because I know I got three younger brothers and I started working from an early age. Like I was like, I was a hustler. Like I did everything and anything. Like I'm a, I'm a barber, I cut hair. I've been cutting hair for almost 10 years. Like I was working from the age of like 16. I used to work at the Coliseum, A's and Raiders game, selling corn dogs and lemonades and all that so I've been I'm just all about a kind of you know like I had a hustle mentality where 
you know, when you grow up in, in situations and neighborhoods where drugs and, you know, violence are kind of rampant, you want to be able to show a light in a way that there's, there's alternative ways to kind of, to kind of move and establish yourself. When you talk about your culture, the first thing that you mentioned is religion and other things that you value. So how do you balance everything? There's a thing in Islam where God said, all hardship comes ease. So it's like taking that that faith and, and remembrance of hey, everything will be all right. Everything's in God's hands at the end of the day. But at the same time, like working towards betterment for yourself, for your family and for your loved ones. To me, it's honestly made me the man I am. Like I'm, I'm someone who takes a lot of pride in my work ethic. You know, I was the first in my family to graduate from college. You know, to kind of really set that example for my brothers. And now I have a, 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 one of my brothers at UCLA, and he's doing really well. So to see where everything started, you know, my, our parents fleeing from war-torn countries to now having almost two uh, college graduates in the family. You know, I work in Silicon Valley now. Um, just be able to kind of create that path, show people a different way. Big thank you to Abdullah Aleem A. Homer. He spoke to us twice for this story, which our star producer, Marisol, wove together. Abdul Alim is on the move. He has a few new projects in the works, including further implementing the augmented reality aspect of his brand, and he's recently launched an app. Of course, all of this is on top of his nine to five tech job. To keep up with Abdul's ambitions, follow him on social media at Abdul Alim Jamal on Twitter or Don underscore Dula on Instagram. The producer behind this episode is Marisol Medina Cadena, our editor is Jessica Plachik, and the engineer is Seal Muller. Engagement team, Kiana Mogadam, Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Vita Kong. KQED execs are Eric Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I want to send a big thank you to all of you. My name is Pendarvis Harshaw. I'm the host of Right Nowish, reminding all of you out there to tell us how you feel about the podcast. Leave a comment, send an email, or just tweet the hashtag Right Nowish with a few words about how you feel about the show. Looking forward to hearing from you. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.